One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Good day and welcome. This is the call 10 stocks picked by you two experts one hour. It is Monday, the 10th of January. I'm Andrew Gagan. Great to have your company. Let's uh, introduce our guest uh, today. Joining us is uh, Nathan Somersundram from Deep Data Analytics and uh, hopefully very shortly we'll also be talking with David Novak from Wealthwise Education. Nathan, how you doing? How you seeing the market at the moment? That rotation is continuing from uh, from growth into value. Yeah, I think uh, everyone uh, kind of ignored it during the uh, I suppose the Omicron pullback and the bounce back, and uh, and then the Fed minutes came back and uh, gave a bit of uh, clarity, and so the market is now concentrating back on the fundamentals and the multiples for asset prices. Yep. All right. Well, look, uh, we do have a truncated show this week uh, for uh, every day, so we better get straight to it. We're going straight to our stock of the day, and that is uh, battery materials company Novanix, ticker code NVX. Now, today, it's filed paperwork to dual list on the NASDAQ. Chief Executive Chris Burns saying the listing furthers Novanix's long-term goal of reshoring the EV supply chain in North America and becoming a leader in the electrification economy markets taking well to the news. Uh, it's uh, currently, just taking a look at where Novanix is at the moment, it is currently up close to 7% in this morning's trade. So what do our experts think? Nathan, of course, uh, we know what's going on as far as the electrification of the planet is concerned. How well placed is Novanix to take advantage of that? The, the hottest, one of the hottest sectors in 2021. Um, and I don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon. Uh, but you have to understand how well people have done in the sector. And you have to think about the risk return where you are in the cycle. So I think it's, uh, it's one of the, the better stocks that are doing quite well early stage. There's a lot of things that are uncertain in that category. Um, and a fair bit is priced in. You have to remember, a lot of these, uh, if you think about how the miners in, the, in these commodity space for the EV outlook have played out, and then now gone from small cap, micro caps to now multi-billion dollar businesses. So there's a fair amount of expectations, Christine. Um, we are, as we were discussing before, we are in a rotation out of growth stocks, especially growth at any price. So you've got to be a bit careful in the short term. So if you've been there uh, from day one, or if you've been there for the last, you know, a decent run out of 2021, then I think you should hold on because the macro is still quite positive. Expect in the short term you're going to take a bit of a hit. There'll be volatility, but in the medium to long term, I think the outlook still remains quite positive. The listing in the US is, uh, you know, it's a standard place for businesses that want to look at the big um, spy out there. Uh, but I don't think that's the main play. But I think the overall macro still remains. But the short term, expect some volatility. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, uh, joining us now is David Novak from Wealthwise Education. David, good to see you there. 
Uh, all right, we're straight into yep. our stock of the day, Novanix. As I said, looking for a dual listing on the NASDAQ. How are you seeing it? Yeah, look, I very much uh, the same as Nathan just described there. It's, uh, you know, the tech sector, there is a rotation uh, going on as we're seeing bond yields move higher. So there's a bit of a sell-off in, in techs, and I don't think this is over, that's for sure. So the valuation uh, of Novanix is, is elevated, that's for sure. It's in the right sector, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, they've got a breakthrough technology in their batteries. So um, I would, um, at this stage, I would be a hold, but I wouldn't be a buy up here, especially at these levels. So uh, you may even take profits if people bought it lower down because we've seen this stock rally since the start of the year from $1 to 10. So it's a pretty good 10 bagger. Um, so I'd be taking some profits, but I certainly wouldn't be rushing into buy right now. I'd look to buy at lower levels. Okay, that is Novanix. Let's get straight into it then. Our 10 stocks picked by you. And the first one is Harvey Norman, the retailer. And uh, Rob wanting to know, uh, this is a stock he's had for the past five years, uh, total shareholder return of more than 47% high return on equity, low debt, he says, uh, the stock trading at the lower ranges of a 12-month share price. Uh, good metrics, but he's puzzled by the slumping share price. He's wondering whether this is a good opportunity, staring us in the face. David, what do you think? Uh, look, it's, I, I can understand why uh, the viewer would be puzzled. I think a lot of people are, except when you look at the supply constraint issues out there and COVID, of course, but um, especially with Omnicrom, it's having an impact on retailers. I mean, you know, Harvey Norman had an absolute um, killer, blistering result last uh, last year, especially in the middle midst of COVID. They paid off their debt of half a billion dollars, which is extraordinary. So the fundamentals of the company, I don't think have ever been better than they are. Uh, and also, you know, most of their um, growth has been coming from overseas as well, particularly in Ireland. So uh, they've got that overseas income factor with the, the Aussie dollar being lower, but the supply constraints are, are, are causing some headwinds. And uh, with COVID, of course, and, and their margins, you know, you know, squeezing their margins as well. So it, it's not a stock that I'd be rushing to buy. I'd certainly keep it on the watch list. It's also just gone below, technically, uh, below the 50-day moving average as well, so on my chart. So that's also a reason not to buy technically. But uh, look, you know, the, the 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 fundamentals look great, but look, there's just a bit of uncertainty going forward here. So I'd just stay away from this retail sector uh, at the moment. All right, but if you have it, would you hold it? Uh, not at the moment. Look, I think this could go lower, to tell right. you the truth. Um, you know, and again, it depends. Well, it depends when you when someone bought in, of course. You know, you'd be taking somebody off the table if you bought in at lower levels. If you bought in higher levels, I would be selling because uh, I think there is lower downside from here given the supply constraints but uh you know i'd certainly have it on my watch list as a buy mm. for later not not now okay Nathan, do you agree yeah uh, it's retail it's old school retail um and it's benefited substantially last year of all the handouts um you know you got rates at uh, almost zero and government was handing out uh handouts like confetti um, that's not going to happen again. There's a reason why the government isn't rushing out to do a proper lockdown, because if they do, they will have to do more handouts, and they just don't have the budget for it. Uh, so they burned the budget. So this is, you know, retail is a cyclical stock. 
So Harvey Norman is one of the big players. You've got to think of Derby High Fire, Harvey Norman as a default choice in retail. Uh, are they good businesses? Yes. Have they benefited substantially from the handout? Yes. And the low rates and the high property prices? Yes. Are they going to keep getting that in the next few years? No. Um, is the supply side problems uh, an issue? Yes. They're not going to get the stock that they want, uh, even if people wanted to buy. And I don't think, you've got to remember the other thing about what uh, boosted Harvey Norman and Derby Hi-Fi is work from home. You buy those things one off. You're not going to buy it every year. So a lot of those things will work against them. Uh, property prices weakening uh, will play against them. So a lot of the macro will be against these guys. The thing about this is when the multiples are look really cheap, that means the expectations are too high. So in a cyclical stock like the retail, you need to be careful. Multiples can be very deceiving. So Harvey Norman is not a buy, it's a sell right now. Okay, that is a big sell on Harvey Norman. All right, let's move to our second stock. This is Orica. Damien was wondering, um, in fact, he, he points to you, Nathan, is saying that it was an ugly buy for you on June the 21st. He has a good memory. And it seems to look even uglier, at least the share price does. But also mentioned, does the Indonesian coal export ban play into the fortunes of the company at all? Also to mention is the fact that it's planning to sell its mining support business, Manova, at the same time. Nathan, how are you looking at Orica? Yeah, it hasn't got any better. It's still an ugly. Um, and, but it's, it is an ugly buy. It still remains an ugly buy. And the reason I said it was an ugly buy is because the macro is against it. Despite high commodity prices, mining capex haven't really recovered. So, um, you know, a lot of those mining services haven't done as well. Um, and, you know, but the, the thing about it is, it's a dominant player in the explosive side of things. People are not doing as much as they used to, and in a lot of their businesses in coal and so forth. So in that context, coal prices doing better should help them, but it's a mega cap. It's a, I think it's a top 50 um, stock, and it hasn't done that much. It's going sideways. Now, if you look at the macro, it's actually quite positive uh, because it's a value trade. It's a dominant player globally. They've got the remote blowing stuff up, working. That's the upside when they get that price range running. Again, the other side of that point is also to look at what potentially could happen. There is a consolidation in the chemical space, explosive space. So I think Orica could be a potential takeover target. But all that being said, it hasn't moved. It hasn't moved for a long time. It's underperformed and upgrade hasn't come through. So in this context, it probably is still an ugly buy, but it's one of those longer-term plays which you've got to hold and wait. I still like the management. I still like the business model. So I'm happy to stay on ugly buy. Um, it's when it turns, this will have a good run. But at this point, hasn't done anything. All right, an ugly buy it is then. Um, David, what are your thoughts? Uh, look, very much the same. It's just, it looks... Uh... <laughs> It looks terrible on the chart on the daily and the weekly. I mean, again, it's both below the 50-day moving average and 50-week moving average on the chart. So um, I, I, I agree with Nathan here. I think that in the company's outlook statement, it was saying that they expect a much stronger half turnaround. Uh, look, they've got a bit of gearing, about 34 35% uh, on the balance sheet. So as interest rates rise, of course, that uh, in, impacts their cost, uh, interest costs. But that's not really the primary factor. But look, it has been just a, a terrible underperformer. You know, the return on equity has been shocking on this company. So look, I, I would uh, definitely not be a buy at the moment for me. Um, if you've already got it, you probably hold it. Uh, it depends when you got in. Again, it comes back to that. 
But, um, you know, I, I would be looking for a turnaround story on this one, uh, given the outlook statement by the CEO. And just technically as well, um, it's, you know, something I've learned in more than 35, 40 years is uh, wait for the trend to turn in your favour, and it's certainly not in your favour right now. But uh, look, it looks to me like they could be, um, could be a turnaround story this year. So just keep a watch on this one. I just have it on my watch list. Okay, on the watch not, list. Not a buy. Yep. Okay, but a hold if you do have it. Okay, that is Orica. All right, let's move on. Bell Financial Group, Kath saying, aside from a cool ticket code, BFG, of course, what's the view uh, just in terms of an investment firm? Obviously, I should also say this is in the portfolio, so it's on the line. David. Yeah, look, it's got uh, it's, it's got good diversification here, um, uh, Bell Financial Group. I mean, they're, they're you know, stockbroking, investment financial advisory, uh, institutional corporate services. And look, they've had some really good growth, I've got to say. Uh, just looking at their, you know, they, ha they have um, obviously had some impact over the last 12 months. But, um, you know, they're just looking at their brokerage revenue is down slightly. Um, their sponsored holdings is up. You know, if you're looking at... Um, you know the profit after tax. It's just uh, look at looking at valuation here. Um, it doesn't look overvalued, uh, but I'm you know, and I said they've had some really good, steady earnings growth from looking at the numbers I'm, I'm seeing. Um, I haven't had a really good look at this one, but I'm just saying on face value, it doesn't look expensive. Um, their trend is up, strongly up at the moment. I would not be buying it up here. I, I would be looking for lower levels. It has got a strong, strong trend, but if it pulled back, and I think you know, if it came back to, I'm just trying to see what these levels are at the moment, but if it came back to, you know, something like around a dollar fifty, dollar sixty, that would be a level that I would like to look at buying it. Um, but they're also their net asset value is around ten dollars and six cents, so it's it's fully valued in my view just up here. So look, it's a hold. Uh, but I would be, and most of their country allocation, actually, the U.S. is where they're getting quite a bit of revenue as well, I think. Uh, so there's, sorry, no, it's not, that's, uh, I was looking at something else there. But they're, they're actually, I've got to say, their, their return on after fees has been outstanding, 22.4% on their fund over the last five years. So that's been excellent. Um, I, I look, I like the stock. It'd be a hold. Uh, I would like to just buy it at a, at a lower level, but it's definitely a hold. Even even a possible buy, to tell you the truth. I mean, it's not overpriced. And uh, yeah, they've got that diversification and also that geographic presence as well internationally. So looks good. Yeah, Nathan, wondering if you agree then, you know, particularly as David references the return on fees looking outstanding. I guess the question is, is that sustainable? Yeah, uh, it's uh, I'm on the other side of the coin on this one. Uh, Bell Financial Group, diversified financials. Uh, you got to remember, uh, in the last 12 months, uh, retail broking killed it. Uh, everyone's benefited out of a lot of money flowing into equities. You know, there's no alternative strategy, which is always a scary concept. Uh, I'm too old to remember that uh, there's too many times whenever people say there's no alternative, there's always an alternative. Uh, it's just that we are not looking hard enough. Um, so the reality is, well, there's a lot of free money. It's helped helped brokers substantially. Cap raising in the last four months, just about everything's raised money. Uh, massive boost. Um, and then you look at uh, Bell, uh, direct with the um, retail side of things, they would have done really well. 
can this be sustained for years to come? I doubt it. Uh, in the last 12 months, despite such massive macro behind them, the share price hasn't done much. It's you know, up and down pretty much, it's gone sideways. Um, I think it's a solid business. It's a diversified domestic, uh, uh, you know, broking, um, cap raising, um, retail, bro, I suppose, trading platform. The problem for me is where to from here. Uh, you're looking at where it can go to. That's where you're buying an investment strategy. So for me, the financials will potentially kind of do a lot. Uh, at best, it holds up. At worst, it starts to slide with markets. Uh, if you have a pullback in the market, sentiment falls, retail money won't be there as much, cap raising won't be there as much. So I think it's going to be a tough market going forward, and brokers are not the place you want to be. Uh, I think even the great Macquarie is potentially going to be priced too well for where we are in the cycle. So in the smaller players are going to hit, get hit even harder. So for me, it's take profit and go somewhere else. Okay, so you're selling it at yep. those levels. Yep. Okay, yep. well, unfortunately... For those who hold Bell Financial Group, or maybe that's good advice for you. If you do, it is a sell. That means it drops out of the portfolio. All right, let's move on. Um, something a bit different. We're going for an ETF. And Stephen wanting to look at uh, BetaShares Global Cybersecurity ETF, otherwise known as HACK. Uh, he wants to know the thoughts on whether the 10-year chart he's saying it looks good, keeps going up. Is this a long-term hold for five to 10 years? And is it one of the best ETFs for young and new investors? Nathan? Yeah, look, I think the macro is very positive. Uh, I think the cybersecurity is going to be pretty big going forward. Uh, there'll be a lot of players. It's very hard for the average uh, investor, retail investor to know which ones to pick as the winner that's going to come through. So an ETF like this actually plays quite well for you in the long term. But you know, as with anything, you have to understand the cycle. So where we are in the cycle, we paid a lot for growth, and especially tech growth. And this is classic tech growth. So in that context, if you look at the chart and the sentiment in the chart is showing you, it's pretty comparable to what's happening in NASDAQ. So if NASDAQ has a pullback, so will this one. So at this point in the cycle, I think NASDAQ is pricing in way too much. Um, I think as the rotation plays out, uh, as the tapering plays out, I think growth stocks uh, will still be growth stocks. It will just be in a lower multiple. So I suspect you're going to have a pullback. So if you're already been in there and you've had a good run-up, then you know take some money off the table and come back on a pullback. If you're a fresh investor, you're looking at the long term, be patient. I think over the next three months, potentially you're going to get, get it cheaper and you can jump in then and then ride it on the, on the next 10 years. Just remember, the multiples are not going to be what they have been in the last 10 years going forward. Okay, so so you're essentially advising to to lighten, perhaps then. That's right. Yep. Okay. I should also note this is also in the portfolio, so uh, it's line ball. Um, <laughs> David, your call. Uh, look, very much the same sentiment. I, this is a real growth sector out there, and um, you know they've got that diversification and. 92% of their portfolios weighted in the US in US stocks. But as Nathan pointed out there, you know, you're seeing a pullback here and I'm expecting a further pullback. I really like the sector. I'm not a big ETF person, but I do like this one in particular because it is a growth sector. No doubt about that going forward. Um, but uh, technically it's, it's not looking great to buy at the moment and uh, it's just um, heading south. 
broken below the 50-day moving average on the daily. It's also, you know, look, if you got down to anywhere between eight and nine dollars, I think that would be a region, particularly eight eight dollars, eight fifty somewhere there. That would be a, a an area to look to buy, but not right now. Again, coming back to uh, whenever you know viewers of whenever you bought the stock, the viewer bought the stock of this not stock ETF. Um, you know, you'd, you'd want to take some money off the table here, I'd suggest, and look to all or sell and look to buy at lower levels. But uh, I do like this particular one and, um, you know, have it on my watch list, no, no doubt about that. Yeah, okay. I'm also taking that as a light. And then so I think, think the call is essentially that it, it's going to drop out of the portfolio as a result. That is the BetaShares Global Cybersecurity ETF, otherwise known as HACK. All right, let's move on to our fifth stock and this is apollo tourism neil wanting to know about this now in fact it's uh, joining forces expanding its global rec vehicle networks um with uh tourism holdings new zealand uh now it is a multinational um manufacturer fleet operator wholesaler uh yeah retailer of a range of uh, recreational vehicles including motorhomes and camper vans um David, of course, it, it has done well recently because everyone's hit the road. They're wanting to see the country. So how are you viewing this one? Uh, look, you know, they've been struggling, of course, uh, with COVID and the borders closing. But I, I do like this merger, actually. There's a lot of um, synergies and cost saving with uh, this group coming together. Plus, you know, it increases their market cap valuation as well. Um, actually, I'm going to put this as a buy, as a recovery buy. This, this is one that I do like. Uh, particularly that they're expanding internationally, and this merger does strengthen the um, the the group and um, create this a, a larger group, and therefore, with a larger market cap, you'll attract institutional funds as well. Uh, and and the trend is actually moving up as positively as well. It's uh, I don't know what it is today. Last time I looked, it was last Friday, 67 cents. I think, based on the bid and tourism holdings in New Zealand. Uh, share price was higher than so this was when it was the bid was announced I think the share price for tourism holdings was about $2.93 or something like that which put a valuation on Apollo at about 73 cents and it was trading below that but now uh, tourism holdings is actually higher it's about $3.08 uh, I think it was the close on Friday so that actually gives it a high because it's a, it's a, a share um, consolidate um, share what, uh, what do you call it, um, merger. So with uh, so many shares that you're getting um, in um, in tourism holdings for Apollo shareholders. So this is this is a buy for me um, and a recovery buy. Like I said, when borders do eventually open up, I, I think this is, this is the second that's going to grow strongly. So I'm using it as a buy. All right. Okay, just breaking up there a little, David, but we know it is a recovery buy is what you're calling it. Nathan, do you agree? Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's an interesting one because, um, you know, you look at things like Camplify and what they've done and how well that's run. Uh, and then you look at what's happening with the pandemic that's playing out on the tourism side of things. Um, and you look at their customer base with all the RVs and so forth. It's baby boomers. They're quite well uh, financed up and they're looking to... Uh, do things so in that context i can see the macro being positive moving into new zealand makes sense um like or like again um um the market cap is 120 odd they get the acquisition merger going through then they get to that 
a magical figure around 2 250 plus um, so once you get to that market cap it gets into that institutional investor space where the liquidity comes into play then you're looking at potentially getting into the indexes and uh, you know that'll that'll get another layer of buying coming into the market so these kind of things will play into them so i think it's a good positive macro management's gone through tough times um, cleaning up and, and you know, acquiring and building the business model so I think it's worthwhile. I, I, I'd be an accumulator. I think in the short term, with what's happening in the pandemic, you might see a bit more weakness. So I'd probably look at, you know, if you're going to buy, you know, say you're buying $100, buy 30% now, 30% in about a month, and then buy 30% a month after. So spread your buying over the next couple of months. And I think this will do okay. I think the management's worthwhile backing what they've done. And I think the medium to long-term picture for these guys will be quite positive. Okay, well, that means it goes into the portfolio. That is Apollo Tourism, a buy from David. Let's call it a staggered buy from Nathan. All right, let's uh, sum up where we've been for the first five stocks that we have. We began with our, well, in fact, six, of course, because we began with stock of the day, which is Novidix, um, after announcing that it is a, uh, pursuing a dual listing on the NASDAQ, um, Nathan saying the expectation has been priced in there. Not a buy, but he is holding it. And David saying, uh, of course, we need to consider the, the sell-off in tech at the moment. Uh, valuation's elevated, but um, he's saying may look to take some profit, but it is a hold also. Harvey Norman, the retailer, um, David saying uh, does have some supply constraints. Obviously, it's done. Um, it's fallen below its 50-day moving average. It's a sell, also a sell from Mathan saying old school retail and you've got to watch that macro picture which doesn't look great for Harvey Norman. Uh, right, Orica. Now, an ugly buy is what Mathan called it uh, more than six months ago. He's sticking with that call, um, saying it hasn't really recovered, uh, potential takeover target. Uh, David saying it's a hold, looks terrible on the chart, but he's looking for a turnaround. That's Orica. And uh, let's move on to Bell Financial Group. Now, it was in the portfolio. David's saying good diversification, uh, but he's looking to buy at lower levels. Uh, it is a hold, possible buy. But Nathan's saying, look, it's obviously benefited from a lot of free money over the past uh, 12 to, to 18 months or so. He's got to sell on it, so it falls out of the portfolio as a result. BetaShares Global uh, Cybersecurity ETF hack, um, that was also in the portfolio. Nathan's saying, take some off the table, but be patient. It's a light and also a light and from David. So essentially, it is falling out of the portfolio. And finally there, Apollo Tourism. It goes into the portfolio. A buy from both. Um, David saying he likes the merger with Tourism Holdings in New Zealand. Nathan's saying the business is working well. All right, let's uh, move on then to our sixth stock. This is Prometicus. Uh, Charlie wanted to know about this, of course, medical imaging provider. Its uh, share price has sunk recently. Um, not a lot of news to go on, though, but, of course, could be part of the wider trends that we're seeing in healthcare at the moment. Uh, let's get the view of our experts. Mathan, Prometicus. Yeah, this is a, it's a fan favourite. Uh, there's a lot of people love the stock, uh, and a lot of people hate it because they missed out on it. <laughs> it's... It's one of those classic growth stocks that worked out really well for a lot of investors, and it's had a huge run. Um, and in context, if you bought any stock that had uh, you know, healthcare and medical imaging technology uh, attached to it, it's gone through the roof. 
even dogs that underperform like Capital Health have gone up. So you know you're in the right sector. Um, this is one of those ones that's had a huge run, pullback, and then it had another run up after the pandemic. Everyone played catch up. Um, they got a number of honeys running. All good. I think it's it's a top quality business model. Again, you just got to remember the macro you're in. Now, these are growth stocks. You're paying for what they can do. And we have had a few years where we paid yeah, in an insane amount of uh, share price for growth. Um, it's a good stock. There's no doubt about that. The question is, what are you paying for? Um, and I think that's gone a bit too far, especially in healthcare and tech. And this is classic on both sides. So I think in the shorter term, you're going to see a pullback and you'll see the multiples come back. Uh, once that settles down, then it'll be another try for the stock. At this point, uh, I'm just not chasing these stocks that have run this hard for this long. Um, I think you've got to be a bit uh, careful here. You've got to be very selective. Uh, this is the kind of the part of the cycle where you've got to buy the ugly things that are turning around on cyclical growth. You don't want to be buying things that the market has loved over the last two, three years because that's not going to hold the same multiple. So for me, as good as it is, it's a sell. Okay, taking some profit there. That's Primedicus for Mathan. David, uh, do you agree? Uh, look, I would love to disagree, but I do agree <laughs> with, this, I did, with Mathan on this one. He's absolutely spot on um, in terms of the valuation here. It's just looking absolutely topish. Um, and it's one of those ones that I, I, I thought about buying and, uh, you know, annoyed that I didn't. I mean, if you look at the trend, it went from, what, $16 at the, the post-COVID lows uh, to, what, $60 thereabouts. I mean, here it is pulling back. So it is a sell, no, no question about that. Um, I would be looking much lower levels to me. You know, look, look if you look at this, here's a, the business is fantastic. You know, what they're doing, the difference they're making, radiology and AI in that area as well. Um, it's, it's outstanding, but it's, again, it comes back to what Nathan was saying, what are you paying for the business? I mean, $5.5 billion market cap, and it made, what, $30 million profit. That has had good revenue growth. If you look at the revenue, the growth of the revenue was $30 million back in 2007. That was the revenue back then, 2017, sorry, um, to where it is today, $70 million. So it's, it's doubled in its revenue. But we're just when you again coming back to the multiples you're paying for this business it's way too expensive um i do like the business but uh you i definitely would look to buy much lower levels anywhere between 36 and 40 dollars uh so this is definitely a sell and uh look to buy at lower levels but uh, outstanding what they're doing and, and the growth outlook for the business as well but just on valuation it's incredibly expensive all right, that's Primaticus, a sell from both. All right, let's move on to Zip. We know what it does. Uh, certainly one of the most popular on our platforms. Uh, nonetheless, buy now, pay later. Been under severe pressure, that and, um, and Afterpay and the others uh, recently, of course. Uh, Diana wanting to know this. She purchased it, she says, at $9.54. She's watched it continue to drop. Should she cut her losses and sell, or should she hang on, David? Oh, it's a little bit too, bit late to cut your losses. Look, <laughs> this is one of the toughest things uh, I've discovered, and you know, most investors uh, who've been around for some time. Look, if you don't, this is what I learned the hard in the hard the school of hard knocks, and obviously for the viewer, she's discovering this now. You've got to have an exit strategy. Most people. Um, 
they'd start in the stock market, depends how long they've been on it. But if you've been in, in the market for some time, you've got to have an exit strategy. And a lot of people don't. Depends what type of investor, whether you're an investor or a trader, of course. But even if you're an investor, when, when I see the long-term trend break, uh, there's no question you've got to get out in my mind. And that's what I've discovered. It's cost me a lot of money to discover that lesson. And, and obviously, like I said, for the viewer and many others, this, is, this has been one of those darling stocks like the whole buy now, pay later sector. I mean, I can't believe uh, I was speaking to someone called me who wanted to, because I'm an advisor on derivatives and option strategies and wanted to protect um, their holding in zip. And, and uh, I said, how many have you got? And he had $25 million worth, which is unbelievable. Yeah. He bought it at the beginning of the year at $7. It doubled in the next six weeks after he bought it and he didn't take any profits. Can you believe that? So anyway, um, it was back to about $7 when when he called me about buying uh, options to protect the downside. But the cost of that protection was very expensive and plus it's not very liquid. So it would have cost about one and a half, one one point six million dollars just to protect it for two or three months, which is way too expensive. So my suggestion to him was at least sell at least half. So whether he took that advice or not, I don't know. But um, mm. nevertheless, uh, down here, I've got to say it's it's a speculative buy. I, uh, I, I've looked at them. I mean, look, they've never made a profit, um, but their revenue is now reaching 10 billion, and they've had some really good growth. I mean, I like the fact that they're you know disrupting the banks and particularly credit cards. You know, that's the the theme that I I like about it. Um, but look, I've I've been very antisocial about the whole buy now, pay later sector, you know, especially when it got to ridiculous heights like Afterpay did as well. And now they're all coming down. But at this level, I got to say, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a takeover bid for Zip down here. So mm. look, it's a bit late to sell, but that again, that's the, the biggest lesson to learn that investors don't have an ex exit strategy. And to me, the viewer, she, the, I looked at the chart, um, I would have said that she would have, should have got out at $8.50, no no less than that. So she would have lost you know, about 10%. That's about the maximum loss she would have lost if she had an exit strategy based on the charts and you know where it broke below the 50-day. But uh, right now, probably a hold um, yep. and a speculative buy. It's, All right. Um, okay, David, yeah, that's, that's a painful story that you share with us. Um, Nathan, do you, what are your thoughts then? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, the multiples were insane. Um, and I think everyone got carried away. Um, and you had to remember the reality of the situation when Afterpay was actually taken out, was taken over at a share price that was lower than the, the peak price that they got so, um, in earlier this year. And the same at the same time, Zip ran to fourteen dollars, um, and they were basically priced as if they were going to dominate uh, forever. Now these are, at the end of the day, they're linked to retail sales. Uh, you know, they are tech, but the reality is they are glorified tech in the context. Uh, if the retail sales fall, they fall because their revenue is linked to retail sales. It's, so it becomes a cyclical. It's not a pure tech. It's a cyclical tech. So when the cycle turns. So that's the multiple and the share price, and that's what's happened. Now, um, Afterpay was leading it because it was the first mover advantage. Zip, I actually like Zip on a relative basis in the sector because they actually do much better um, credit checks and much better standard of how they go about their business model. They've actually expanded into regions like India where other players haven't gone into. And David's right. At the end of the day, 
fintech, there's a lot of fintechs out there, they're doing a particular area. They cannot continue to do what they're doing in a particular area. Where they're going to get their upside is a consolidation play in the fintech to cover multiple different regions and multiple different business models and cross-selling. That's where it's going to play out. Just like why White Square went after Afterpay, someone will go after Zip. The other advantage with Zip is there's about, I think, 9% short in the stock. So when the cycle turns, their shorters will have to cover and this stock will fly right back up. So I like, I like the fact that deep enough stocks when they have high shorts, yep. that gives you that bounce back upside. So I'm actually going with Zip as an ugly buy. We got into Zip uh, you know, after it fell more than 50%. Uh, we've taken a hit. But we had other, uh, I suppose, strategies to manage that. So we expect it to go lower in the short term, but then it'll come back hard when the consumer spending picks up, and then all buy now, pay later will have a bounce back, and Zip okay. will lead that down. All right. So on that basis, I think we're putting it in the portfolio. It's a specky buy from David, an ugly buy there from Nathan. All right. Moving on to our eight stock, Beach Petroleum. Uh, oil and gas, uh, Scott wanting to know about this. Um, you look at the shares over the past 12 months. It, I mean, it's never, it, it hasn't recovered from, you know, it's, it's rapid fall uh, when uh, COVID got underway. Nathan, how do you see Beach? Yeah, I, I used to be a fan, uh, but I think it's fallen down the pecking order now. Uh, now, the last uh, few updates haven't been great. The thing to remember is in the Aussie energy sector, Apart from a few stocks like Karoon, everyone else is actually an LNG play, not really an oil price play. So everyone looks at the oil price and you know wonders why the energy sector hasn't done anything at all over the last 12 months. That's probably because uh, you know the sector has had a few big things. Now the two big players, Santos and Woodside, have had made big acquisitions, uh, and the sector overall hasn't done anything. Beach has probably fallen down the pecking order. LNG prices actually went berserk. And with COVID, it's actually coming back hard. So you've seen LNG prices go straight up, and then it's now falling right back down. So in context, I think how the pandemic plays out, especially in Asia, will have a demand problem that will hit the LNG prices, and that will probably hurt them. So in the shorter term, I'm not jumping into beach because it's not high on the pecking order. Energy sector is a value trade. In the US, energy sector is absolutely ripping. So that's flowing into our sector. That's actually helping the bigger players. So you're seeing Santos and Woodside moving ahead on that, but Beach is not the one I would be jumping in. So if you have to pick an energy stock at this point, it's a bit tricky. Um, I think you're late for Karoon, so I'd go for the bigger players like Santos and Woodside. But I think the energy sector at this point, with what's happening in the pandemic, it's a tough place to be. So would you hold it? No, I think there are better plays in this market. It's a tough market at the moment, and I yep. don't think beach is quality. Okay. All right, David. Oh, look, I'm going to. This is at least one that I'll go against Nathan on this one. I, I, I've got to rate it as a buy. Um, I, I like the energy sector. Look, I could say a lot about it, but I'll keep it short because of time. But look, the, the whole energy, when you look at where oil prices are trading and uh, Brent crude and, and NYMEX, I mean, also given that. Uh, air travel, you know, international travel is down by about 77%, and you're seeing oil prices here elevated, and there's not a lot of investment going into this sector. So, you know, there, there's going to be at some point another a pickup in demand, more demand for oil, and the, the supply of oil is, is going to be uh, tight. 
So I expect oil prices to go higher. So I'm very bullish on the energy sector. Um, I agree with you know any of the majors, the you know, Woodside, Santos, Karoom would be definitely up there as number one. Uh, but Beach, I, I like Beach. I think it's a turnaround story. The managing director left because they had that terrible uh, downgrade um, in one of their um, uh, portfolio, oil and gas portfolios in the Cooper Basin, which was downgraded the reserves. That was what made the share price go down. But but look, it looks to me like there's a positive outlook. They've turned the corner. They're making a fantastic margin on the, on the oil price. And, and gas prices have moved, but LNG prices are going up quite sharply. So that's a big growth area for Beach. So I do like it. The trend's moving up. It's back above the 50-day. Mm -hmm. So uh, look, I, it's a buy for me. Okay. That is sure. a, a point of conflict there on Beach Energy. All right. Let's move on to Aristocrat Leisure. Uh, this one coming to us from Paul. It is Gaming Technology. Has recently announced that deal to acquire the uh, British-listed um, global online gaming uh, gambling software and content supplier Playtech for around $5 billion. Uh, Playtech shareholders were due to vote on that. That's been postponed until February to allow Arrival to make a competing offer. David, how are you looking at Aristocrat at the moment? Yeah, look at the this this acquisition has certainly taken on a bit of debt for the company. That's the only my my only reservation. It's not a buy for me. It's also trading. It's it looked like technically it's it's looking weak. And again, it's below the 50-day. For some people, it depends when they bought it. It'd probably be at best to hold or take profits on it. I, I can see lower levels, but look, I want to see how this plays out because especially with the level of debt that the gearing that the company's taken on for this acquisition. Um, you know, it, it, it has been, it will elevate the risk on the balance sheet and especially if interest rates continue to move higher. So mm -hmm. look, I'm a little bit reticent here. I do like, I mean, the businesses, online gaming business. I mean, when you look at the growth, I mean, what does that tell you with online gaming around the world, especially with COVID? So, you know, there's been great growth in that area, unfortunately, because there's social consequences, as you know, with gambling. Yep. But uh, I, I'm not a buyer up here. At best, it's a hold. Um, okay. And I'd look, just wait to see how it looks going forward. Yeah. Okay, Nathan. Oh, look, it's not a gamble to buy Aristocrat. <laughs> Let's start with that. It's, it's one of the top 10 stocks in our port in the, in the market. Management is amazing. Uh, and for decades, I've been told about why Ainsworth, because it's cheap and Aristocrat is expensive. That has been one of the worst ideas of all time. Um, Aristocrat, um, they've had the whole gambling play um, consolidate down to about three or five, four or five left. Um, they've moved into more of a revenue uh, billing system, so it's much more reoccurring revenue model. Management makes great acquisitions. You have to, you know, this is a sector where get big or get killed. So they've got big. So you back all of that. Um, yeah. Mark, is market paying too much for it? Yes. Is that good enough? Yes. Uh, will the share price go weaker? Yes. Um, but you buy. You always buy aristocrat. You just keep buying till they do something wrong. At this point, they haven't done anything wrong, and I think the stock will continue to do well. But in the shorter term, with growth to value switch, you might see a bit more weakness. Okay, but that is an emphatic buy then from Nathan, a hold from David. All right, finally, Nearmap, and uh, of course, if you rate it as a tech stock, you know tech has suffered badly uh, just recently. Nearmap has 
as a result. Um, also, last month, it did announce that its annualised contract value of its North American business will soon surpass that of its Australian and New Zealand businesses. Mathan, um, of course, this is all about uh, digital mapping and the like, particularly its business in the States. Nimap, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's not aristocrat, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, it is, it's one that I've followed for a long time. Um, in the early days, you knew what they were doing. And they were early to the game and they had a first mover advantage. And we kind of looked at it and said, this could do a lot of things, you know, whether it's monitoring construction, major projects to bushfires, to ocean, whatever, this could play out quite well. But, uh, you know, they've been at it for a long time. It just hasn't uh, you know, translated to profits and hasn't actually come through. Now there's a lot of competitors coming into the game, big players are coming into the game. So it's it's going to find more and more competitors coming in. The multiple's going to be threatened. I, I just don't think that, you know, I, I just don't have confidence in management where it is right now over the last two, three years to turn it around. It may happen and when the data changes will change our view. At this point in the cycle, I think it's just too hard um, and they haven't delivered what you would have expected for the amount of time they've been at it. So uh, I'm, I'm calling it a sell. I think in the short term with tech um, sell-off, this will get hurt more. So yep. I, I, I wouldn't be jumping in right now. Okay, David? Yeah, look, I, I couldn't agree more. It's exactly the same sentiment as well. It's a, it's a, a void at this stage. It's definitely not a buy. Uh, same thing, you know, I want to see the actual results of turnaround translate to the bottom line. Um, with, um, the, you know, I mean, the technology they, they've got is fantastic, but again, it's not translating to the bottom line. So it's an avoid um, at the moment. Okay, short and sweet. Well, that's actually sour because both <laughs> are not liking near map. All right, let's uh, summarize the second half of the show. We began with uh, ProMedicus there. Uh, Nathan saying classic growth stock, but overvalued. He's got a sell. David also slapping a sell on it. Uh, saying to look at to looking at buying at much lower levels. Zip, of course, it has suffered big time along with the other buy now pay later stocks recently. Um, and uh, well, in fact, David's got a speculative buy on it, and Nathan has an ugly buy on it, uh, given where it is at the moment at share price. Beach Energy, uh, oil and gas, uh, Mathan citing its demand issues. He prefers the likes of Santos and Woodside. He's got a sell on it, whereas David has a buy on it. He likes the energy sector and he sees this as a, as a turnaround story. Aristocrat Leisure, David's saying uh, not a buy. It's moved below its 50-day moving average. He's got a hold on it. But uh, Mathan's saying, look, he likes it regardless. He's got a buy on it. Uh, it's part of his top 10 stocks there. No gamble to buy it is, uh, is his call. And finally there, Nearmap. Um, well, Mathan's got a sell on it. Uh, too hard uh, to turn the business around. He's saying, uh, David's saying technically great, but similar. Uh, he's going to avoid on it. So that is our final five. All right, now uh, that's where we thank our guests. David from uh, Wealthwise Education, thanks for joining us, mate. And Nathan, as always, thanks for My joining pleasure. us. Thank you. Okay. All right. Now, any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, uh, the call at osbiz.com.au, or you can tweet us at osbiztv. And a reminder where to find all the stocks we have in the calls portfolio, you can head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio.